in Tazriya Mitzora, in the book of Ayikra, the book of Ayikra is, is something of an annoyance, uh, I think, to people who are, you know, able to think about what they're learning. The parishes of Ayikra and Tzav, Ayikra and Tzav are parashiot about korbanot, none of which we do today. Uh, Shmini, uh, oh, okay, there's a part of the story, but then at the end you have um, the distinctions between animals that are edible and animals that are, should not be eaten, and they are called Tomei and Tahor, by the Torah, right? The word Tomei is often translated as being unclean and tahor as pure. Uh, I mean, I know those translations are helpful. But that's, that's in the parish of Shemini. Then we come to Tazria Mitzora, much of which is about Mitzora. Is about Mitzora. But I, I don't know what exactly the, uh, the scientific uh, definition of Mitzora might be. But let's assume, let's assume that it's some kind of, uh, like in the, a, a disease of the skin, right? You see something. Now, it's, it's not debilitating, apparently, because there's a story in the, in the Torah about Naaman, in the Tanakh. Naaman, who was a general, who was an Aramaic general, who came to be cured of, of Tzorat to, uh, to Israel. So the fact that he was a general seems to indicate that he was not, uh, it did not impair him. It didn't limit him. The fact that he was a, the fact that he was a, um, uh, a, a leper, right? That's what we call it, right? We call it a leprosy, a leper. I, I don't know exactly what leprosy is. It, do, it doesn't make any difference. But uh, when, I remember when I came to Israel, there was a leper colony in Yerushalayim. Yeah, no, before that, in, on the Barbanel Street or something, there was, a, there was this building, and there, there were lepers there. Uh, I, I did not try to visit them, but, but it was a thing, and then they moved them further away. But, uh, so, so Naaman... Naaman might have been unhappy about being a leper, but it didn't seem to stop him from doing whatever he's supposed to do. This story, the story of the parashiyot about leprosy, uh, includes more or less three different kinds of leprosy. Leprosy, I, I, I say tzarat, let's say tzarat, because then, then we can agree that we don't know what it is exactly. So tzarat, there was tzarat of a person. A person gets tzarat. Then the tzarat of the beged, another discussion, right, that, that the cloth of the clothes can also become, I don't know what word to use, infected by this tzarat. And then this tzarat habayit, that the stones that the house is made out of can also be affected. Now the chachamim, as uh, the Ramban will, will point out, the chachamim thought that, uh, that this somehow could not be regular, in spite of the fact, in spite of the fact that Naaman was uh, a regular kind of Torah, we don't have any indication that it was miraculous, uh, but we know that Miriam was punished by becoming Mitzorat. So Chachamim came to this conclusion that Tzorat is a miracle, 
in every case. It's not something that happens normally or regularly. It's always going to be a miracle. And in fact, they developed the idea that Tzara'at uh, if, is, is connected to Lashon Hara, that's because of Miriam. Right? Miriam spoke Lashon Hara about Moshe Rabbeinu, she was punished. The punishment was Tzara'at. Therefore, there's a connection between Lashon Hara and, and Tzara'at. So then further, the Chachamim said that if a person talks Lashon Hara, Lashon Hara he, he might find his house afflicted. And that would be a warning sign, an early warning sign that in heaven they're watching him, they know him, because it's very hard, it's very hard to punish Lashon Hara. It's very hard to punish Lashon Hara in a court, because it's hard to improve intention. It's hard to prove that what you say is something where you, that you intended to, to create difficulty, right? All of that is very difficult, and therefore the tzarat affects the walls of the house, the stones that the house is built out of, and so it gives you a, 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 a heads up, a heads up to do tshuva. If that doesn't work, then for the same person, then his clothes are going to be affected. Um, and, and if he still doesn't do tshuva, then he will be, he'll be affected. This is all a, a major effort on the part of heaven to do away with, to do away with, uh, with Lashon Hara. That's the way, that's the way Chachamim more or less under, understood it. But underlying all of these things, right? By Yikra Tzav, the Korbanot, Shmini, the Tumah Vitara, Tazriyah Mitzorah, this business of Tzarat, underlying all of these things is an interesting fact. And that fact, that fact is here uh, in the, in the, uh, in the Chumash. If you look at the first source, Vayikra Perik Yudal, it says, Vayedabar Sheva Mosheva Laron Lemor, Kitavo Eretz Kinan. When you come to the land of Kinan, Asher Aninotein Lechem Lachuzah, which I will give to you, Le'echoz, you'll be able to hold on to it, you'll be able to grab onto it, meaning that you, you'll be able to grow your own flocks in that, your own uh, uh, fruits in that land. And here the Chachamim couldn't understand. What do you mean, Venatati? I will definitely impose upon you, I will definitely give you this uh, uh, affliction called Sarad. Why, why definitely? Why does it say definitely? It could mean that it's an abstract sort of, I will make this a possibility. It will become possible to get in the desert. You're not going to get this affliction. But in Eretz Yisrael, you might. It doesn't mean that you will. It just means that, that the, the law will now include Sarat. So Rashi quotes Chazal. And Rashi says, That this is good news. It's God is giving good news to the people. The good news that these afflictions will come upon them. Why? What's the good news? Hitminu, they hid the Amorim, the Amorites, the Amorim, 
the, the people who live, the people, all the seven nations that lived in Eretz Canaan are also called Emorim. Emori is one of the, are one of the seven nations, but sometimes in the Torah and in Chazal, they they all included under the general name of Emoriim. Matmoniyot. Matmoniyot are treasures, right? Matmon, something that tastes good, but Matmoniyot shel zahav. They put all of the gold that they had, the kirot batechem. In other words, they would take out the stones, they would make a kind of uh, a space, and they'd put stuff in there, and then put the stone back. So you wouldn't be able, because they knew the Jews were coming, and they thought the Jews would conquer the land, but that somehow they would get away with it and be able to carry on with their, with their treasures. So because of this affliction that the house had, God sort of like, it, it, it had something to do with stones, either with the in-between the stones, but in any event, that you went into a house, you saw that this, that this sarat was on the wall of the house. You took out a stone and you'd find gold and silver stuff hidden. <coughs> so Rashi says, that this is not like the tzarat of the, of the skin, of the, of, the, of the person, and the tzarat of the, of the cloth, of the, the, the clothing that he wears, but this is something else. Tzarat habayit. Tzarat habayit has nothing to do with the punishment at all, according to this Rashi, but has to do with the fact that this was good for the Jewish people. This was good for the Jewish people. So you see that according to Rashi, the Tzarat habayit is distinct. It's set aside. It's not what I just told you, Chazal say, that first you get it in your house. But, but I guess... I guess that has to do with Jews. And it was the punishable Shodhara, Rashi, the Chazal say, the punishable Shodhara Tzarat. Punishable Shodhara Tzarat. So this Tzarat, this Tzarat affects the Jewish home. This Pasuk, according to, according to uh, uh, Rashi, affects the non-Jewish home. Uh, they, they're not concerned about, about Lush and Horror, but they're concerned about hiding their gold and silver. And the Jews were given this opportunity to get, when they came to Eretz Canaan to get the gold, the gold and, the, and the silver. Okay, so we know a little bit about Sarat Abayit. Let's, let's move on. If you look at the bottom of the page, you see the bottom page, Graham Perikaf Aleph, it says, Ki Yele Ish Ben Sorer Omore. Ben Sorer Omore. Sorer is like to go aside, to move aside. A son who doesn't go in the straight path, but goes a little bit off. Umore. We'll see what Rashi, Rashi says. And the Pesach itself explains, which becomes a problem for Chazal. What, what, what if he doesn't listen to his father or his mother? It should be sufficient to say he doesn't listen. They didn't say he doesn't listen to his father and his mother. He doesn't listen. The Yisrooto. And they punish him. They, they, they actively beat up on him. Velo Yishma Alehem. And he doesn't listen. Vehatavsubo Avivi Imo. And they hold, they, they grab onto him. They bring him out to the court. The court in those days was found 
near the Shara'ir, the gateway to the city, I guess there were rooms in the wall, rooms that were brought, made into the wall, that's where the Dayanim, where the Dayanim sat, El Ziknei and the father and the mother come, and they say to the Zkenim, B'neinu zesorer umoreh, e'neinu shomeh b'koleinu, b'neinu zesorer, moreh, because he doesn't listen, he doesn't follow, he doesn't accept, right? He's, he's the ben harasha of the Haggadah. He says, he's b'zesorer moreh, neinu koleinu, and then they add on, zolel, which is like a kind of mystery, which we will see. Zolel sounds like he's overeats. He just keeps eating all the time. Keeps eating all the time. So the, the skenim, they, they hear the witness that was brought by the father and the mother, and they stone him, and he dies. So to our, our sensitivities, our like ideas that, uh, that education is very important, that all parents are educators and you have to somehow work to, uh, to, to educate your children. Here it seems to be a little bit kind of, uh, I wouldn't say contrary to the idea that you have to be sensitive to your children, but it's a little bit harsh to say that if uh, you have a child who overeats that you should kill him. I mean that doesn't sort of sit well, but let's look at let's look at Rashi a little bit. So as he says, Sar Minaderach. Okay, today you know Minaderach means uh, doing the mitzvahs. Uh, if you say if you say Sar Minaderach, so you know it's a book about Bali Chuva or Bali Sheila. But this means this means he doesn't do what he's supposed to do. Umore Misarev Bidvar Aviv. He denies his father's request. Lishon Mamrim. Uh, the Pasuk says you have to afflict him you have to afflict him Rashi says first matrimbo means you go and you say if you do this then this is the punishment that you will receive so matrimbo and you and you give him malkot stripes Ben Sorer Umore Enochayav, Achi Yignov, Viochal Tarmita Basar, Vishdechatzi Logyayan. This guy that we're talking about, the Ben Sorer Umore, I'm reading Rashi. Enochayav, he's not guilty until he steals and eats. Again, Rashi is giving me a halachic position. Not just he overeats, but what he's eating is what he stole. He stole. Tartima basar, a little bit of meat, and a half a loaf of wine, small amount, so, so the Pasuk sort of explains itself. What did he do wrong? Where's he sarmin aderech? What's he denying? Well, he stole and he ate. He ate what he stole. How much? Well, there's a sheer, there's an amount that you have to. Uh, uh, so. Ben Sorero More, now you have this amazing statement in Rashi. Ben Sorero More in Herag al Shem Sofa. Something that I think is unacceptable today. In other, in other words, you judge, you, the Torah gives you a hint. The Torah says if you find somebody who does this, who eats 
food of a certain amount that he stole and doesn't listen to his father and his mother, then it's hopeless. There's no educational effort that can correct the situation. Can't. He says, Nerag al-Shem Sofo, he's killed because of what will be of him. The Torah understands what it is that he's thinking about. Sof shemechalem amon aviv umevakesh limudove no motzei. At the end, he will destroy everything. He'll take away all his father's money, and he won't be able to do what he's supposed to do. And he puts himself in a, in a crossroads, you know, like they have every neighborhood has today, thankfully, some group of pushtakin, you know, like kids who make trouble. Every, every neighborhood in Yerushalayim has that. Oh, please. Like the Torah says, we better kill him now when he still hasn't done any major transgressions. If we wait, he will do something terrible and then we would have to kill him when he's chayav. Uh, anyway, that's what it says. This is about Ben Sorero Mori. Now, if you turn the page, you turn the page. Let's look at this Gemara. You see this Gemara? The Gemara starts in the middle, in the middle of page two. There's a Gemara, Machzeret Sanhedrin, Ayin Aleph Amud Aleph. The Mishnah. Aya Aviv Rotzeh, Ve'imo Eino Rotzeh. Right, remember the Pasuk says, Bekol Aviv, Bekol Imo, that they're both involved. What happens if the father wants to arrest his son, but the mother doesn't want to? Aviv Eino Rotzeh, Ve'imo Rotzeh, or the opposite, Right? So that's the way the Mishnah understands the Both the father and the mother have to bring the son to court. Right? To Shar Iro. The mother and the father. Rabbi Yehuda Omer. Ben Sorer Morey says another way of saying the same thing. Right? That, that, uh, that there's, there's another possibility. It's not important for us. Gemara. You see the Gemara? Ma'ena What is Rabbi, Elie, Rabbi Yehuda talking about? Ilema chayvei kritot v'chayvei mitot beidin. So, so, avua. Avua need. So, uh, I, I can't. Uh, uh, one second. Keman Azla Detanya. Here. The fifth line in the Gemara, if you look at the middle of the line, starts Keman Azla. Kemi Holech. Who does this Mishnah represent? Whose opinion? Ha Detanya. You see it? Ha Detanya. Ben Sorer Umore. Lo Hayav Lo Tidliyot. Oh. All the problems are solved. All the problems are solved. Ben Sorer Morel Lo Haya Lo Liot. Right? So if you want to know Lama Nechtav, so why did the Torah have all these psukim if there's never going to be a Ben Sorer Morel? He says, Drosh 
Vikaber Sachar. A wonderful idea, Drosh. Vikaber Sachar. What does that mean? What do you think it means? Maybe you should learn, uh, learn it, right? And you get Sachar. What Sachar do you get? What? Well, it can't be. We have a lot of other people in the Torah for Scharli Mood. What do I need Ben Sarumore for for Scharli Mood? So it must mean, it must mean Joshua. It's a, like an idea. Joshua Kabel Schar means if you learn about the Ben Sarumore, it's as though you did what the Torah wants you to do. That if you had such a situation, you would do what the situation demanded upon you. It's true, there never was, and there won't be. But you can, you can fulfill the Torah demand by learning the psukim. I'm not sure I made that clear. In other words, it was, it's a mitzvah. In a certain situation, Ben Sorero Moreh is a mitzvah. Now, nobody wants to be in that situation, right? But if that situation arose, you'd have to act. Since since there's never going to be a Ben Sorero Moreh, so the Gemara says, it's as though you did it. It's as though you actually took... Now, this wonderful idea, this wonderful idea, which is explained further, further, that's Rabbi Yudha meant, there are those who say that the Mishnah is Rabbi Shimon's Mishnah, the Tanya. Omar Rabbi Shimon, what are you joking? This son, he, like he ate, a, he ate a salami sandwich and drank a little wine so his parents are going to bring him to kill him? He says, no parent is going to do that. I mean, it's another way of saying lo could mean that it, there's never such a case but it could also mean that the father and the mother are not going to bring him, not going to bring their son to the court and say, kill him, if he just ate a salami sandwich. I mean, that's a kind of little bit, a little bit radical. Ela haya, ela lo haya, velo atid liyot. And then he says, no, what I mean to say is, there was never a Ben Sorer Moran, there will never be a Ben Sorer Moran. Okay? That's position A. Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Shimon Lazar. He says, then the Mishnah Gemara goes on. He says, Omar Rabbi Yonatan. Aniritiv? Yeshavdi. Rabbi Yonatan What are you talking about? I saw a Ben Sore or Right? You know, I'm a, I'm a Moreh Derech or something. And I was around. And there he was. He said, Yashavti al Kivro. I even know where he's buried. They killed him, they buried him, and I sat there on his grave. Kimana Azla Adetanya. Who is that girl according to? Iranidachat, Loitabaloatidaliyot, Iranidachat. Right? There's a halacha in the Torah that if 50%, more than 50% of the people in the city are of the Avodazora, then you destroy the entire city. Right, that's called Ir Anidachat. So again, the Gemara says, or this uh, writer says, he says, Lo There's never been such a thing. The same idea. Same thing, you learn the Psukim of Ir Anidachat, it's like you did it. 
Kiman ki Rabbi Eliezer the Tanya Rabbi Lazar Omer Kol ir sheyesh ba afilu mezuzah achat what do you think about that? So if there's a city, and one house in the city, there's a guy who put a mezuzah on his door. And even if more than 50% of the people in the city are over there, but it doesn't count. They're not in the parasha, you don't have to destroy the city. My tama, or my krab, it calls shilalatikabetzel you can't take the mezuzah off the door and burn it. Right? So you can't do it. You can't do what the Torah asks you. The Torah asks you to burn the whole city down. But there's a mezuzah, you can't burn the city down. So Rabbi Yonatan, again, he's like the, the Nudnik here. He says, I saw and I sat down on the the pyre that was left after the city was totally, totally destroyed. Keman Azla the Tanya, right? Another position. Bayit Hamenuga. Here we are. We're back to our to our parsha, right? Bayit Hamenuga. Lo hayav lo liyot. It's not Rashi's Bayit Menuga. It's a Jewish Bayit Menuga, right? Lo hayav lo atid liyot. V'lava nichtav. How come? How come it's in the Torah? Drosh vekabel schar keman kerav lozav Rabbi Shimon did not. What did he say? Rav lozav Rabbi Shimon omer lo lam in abayit hamei atchiresh grisin al shdeavadim. You need two little spots on two different stones in order to make it tamei b'shteiketalim at two different walls bekerens avit. On the, on the place that the, that the two walls meet each other. You have to have a, a, a little spot on this stone, a little spot on this stone. It, it, it's impossible. The, the standards are so demanding that you could never get to the point where you'd have to actually destroy the house or declare it Tabei. He says, Three lines on the bottom. My Talmud, the Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon Ketiv, Kir, the Kir Ketiv, Kirot, Ezer Kir, Shehu Ki Kirot. He says, when is there a Kir singular, Kirot plural, is when they have two Kirot facing each other in that, in that way. Uh, and then, of course, Omar Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Sadok, Bakom Ayabitchum Aza, remember Aza, you know where that is? Vayukorinotah Chubita Sagirta. They call that place the, the place of destruction, right? Sagirta, where they put away the things that were destroyed. So in every case, in every case, you have this remarkable idea, which is called Drosh Vikabel Sechar. And then you have somebody who thinks that they, that they actually saw it. That they actually saw it. So what's, what's so important about this? It seems to me. It seems to me. <laughs> Let's we'll start over again. There's no book of the Torah that's as foreign to us. Ab initio, you could say, as the book of Ayikra. You know, Karbanot. We have nothing to do with Karbanot. Most of the animals that are listed in the list of animals that are Tahor and Tameh, we don't even know what they are. What, you know, 
we know that some of them, we know few, we keep, we eat these and we don't eat those, but the list is quite long and extensive. And, uh, you know, we just don't, we don't relate to the list as a list. We don't go to look for those animals that are legally edible. We eat what we eat. And then finally we get to Tazriya Mitzorah. We get to Tazriya Mitzorah. We, we have nothing to do at all with these parashiyot. So in modernity, in modernity, people have asked that question. Well, how is it possible? How is it possible that the Torah doesn't relate to us? And then they found this Gemara in Sanhedrin. And the Gemara says, Lo lo nivra. That not only, it's not just the result of the uh, warp, uh, the woof of history that changes us, right? There's no Beit HaMikdash. There's no Beit HaMikdash, so no Beit HaMikdash. We can't do all of the things that are demanded of us in the Beit HaMikdash. But we can substitute hope. We can substitute hope for what we don't have. We can say, we'll have it. We hope to have it. We'll go to shul every Shabbos and we'll say, we'll dab a musaf. Right? And musaf means we hope that we'll be able to give the korban musaf in the future. That's what, that's what he says. We don't do it, but we, we, we have hope. <coughs> but the nature of that hope is not defined to us. Hope. You know, you can say, look at Davin there. But this parasha, which relates to three separate mitzvot, Ben Sorero Moreh, Ir Hanidachat, and Habayit HaMenugah. Those are the three mitzvot that are discussed in the Torah. What are those? What does the Gemara say about those three mitzvot discussed in the Torah? Lo haya nivra. In other words, there is a Torah. There are psukim in the Torah about which you could say, Lo haya nivra. So if Lo haya nivra, why are they in the Torah? Drosh. Which means that if you learn those psukim and you understand them and you have the, the halachic material under control, then you are mekabel sachar. You get not the sachar of Talmud Torah, which you would get learning anything. You get the sachar of doing the mitzvah of Ben Sorel Moreh, and by you actually did it. You actually did it. You you participate. This is like like a wondrous idea. This is a wondrous idea which kept the Jews going because when they had this problem with the Beit Hamikdash, had problem with the Beit Hamikdash. There's no Beit Hamikdash. It's okay. We deserve to be punished. But how could it be that we are punished by not being able to do what the Torah wants us to do? That didn't make sense. That didn't make sense to the people. They couldn't understand why God would punish them in a way that would uh, uh, deny them the opportunity of doing mitzvot. Now, of course, like every question, you could answer that question. But I want to suggest, I want to suggest that what kept us going was this idea of drosh v'kabel schar. That's what, 
That's what we live on. We live on that there's somehow there's a reality to learning Torah. It's not just about information. It's not just about information. Adarabha, you can see it very clearly. You can see it very clearly. There's a difference even today between those kinds of places, yeshivot or kolalim, where the emphasis is on information. You want to be a dayan. A dayan has to have a lot of information under, under his belt. So he studies the information, he takes the tests, he tries to get a job. That's, that's dayanot. But yeshivot, what they call in Israel correctly, even though I'm not sure they know what they say, but the, in yeshivot litayot, the emphasis is on learning. It's not on finishing. It's not on knowing. You know, there's always the joke, you know, when the, when the yeshiva guys go out with the, on the shidduch with the girl, the boy goes with the girl, he waits till the girl makes the bracha on the ice cream because she knows what bracha to make. He never learned that. He really doesn't know anything about how to make a, how to make a bracha. It's a little tricky, but, you know, if, you, if he goes out a lot, he'll get good at it. So, Jerosh Vikabel Sachar is a kind of, uh, uh, almost a, a hallucination, right? You imagine that you're doing this Torah obligation which doesn't exist. There, there's no, uh, right? Lo nivra. Lo nivra. So, when the Beit HaMikdash, when the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, uh, so the Gemara says, where it says, okay, you can't bring a korban tamid, you can't bring the korban, but what can you do? You could learn the parasha of, of tamid. Well, you could learn the parasha of tamid, of course you can. You could learn any parasha you want. Is it no? That somehow, somehow, it takes the place of actually doing it. And that's why in the Siddur, if you look in your Siddur, before Psuke de Zimra, right, there's a lot of pages that most people who go to shul have learned to skip. But they, they, the pages are there, right? They, they, they did usurp the pages. So the pages are pages of Talmud Torah. In other words, you make a bracha, uh, make a bracha, men and women, which is a separate discussion, make a bracha, that the, uh, the bracha of Talmud Torah. Right? Yes? So then, uh, you don't have to do, you don't have to learn Torah at that moment. The bracha is good for the whole day. But in order to make sure that you don't mess up during the day and forget to learn something, so we learn something. It's in the Siddur. The Siddur says, do read this, read that. You know, it's like learning. It's all, it's all learning. What do you learn? You learn Karbanot. You learn Karbanot, the Karbanot that we don't give anymore. Right? That's what, that's what, uh, that's what, why we do it. Because it's Josh Vikabel Sechar. The Gemara says, the Gemara in a uh, different Gemara, not the Gemara in Sanhedrin, but the Gemara in the Gemara in Menachos. The Gemara says, if you say the parsha of Karban Tamid, of the daily sacrifice, it's as though you gave the daily sacrifice. It's as if the Karban Tamid was given by the Jewish people in its entirety, right? Everybody gave a machzita shekel once a year, and that money was used for the Karban Tamid. So that means that. Every day when the Karban Tamid was given, once in the morning and once in the afternoon, it was given as a gift of the entirety of the Jewish people. The Beit HaMikdash is destroyed. We can't, 
we don't do it anymore, but we can learn the parsha of Korban Tamid. It's not just we're learning the parsha of Korban Tamid, Lord, we shouldn't forget that such a thing exists, but we're learning the parsha of Korban Tamid because somehow, Josh Mikabel Sakhar, it works. It works somehow. We didn't give it up. We don't just, we're not just pining for the Beit HaMikdash. We're doing somehow, on some level, this I'm not able to, to, uh, to evaluate, but we're doing on some level what the Torah wants us to do, which is, after all, every day the Korban Tamid is given, but the Jews, people are not there. Right? The people are wherever they are. They're doing, they just gave the money once a year. And they get credit for it. So if we sit, if we come every day and learn the parasha of Korban Tamid, so it's not less than the Jews did in the days that the Beit HaMikdash uh, uh, existed. But in, in, in any event, what I meant to say is that if the most remarkable thing that happened in Jewish history was uh, that we abstracted it, uh, we, we actually said we could do without the Beit HaMikdash. We could live. We could live as Jews and be what we want to be. And there's no Beit HaMikdash. How do we do that? How do we accomplish that, uh, that remarkable feat? I said, I said somehow, somehow we, we came up with this idea. We, I don't mean we, I mean, you know, all of Jewish history came up with this idea that you could learn Torah. And that learning Torah, learning Torah is not simply a preparation for a job in which you have to know Torah. That's not why we learn Torah. We learn Torah because it's an event. It's, uh, it's an experience. We're experiencing whatever it is that we're learning. And that's, uh, uh, that uh, um, morphed into... Torah being the great experience of all experiences, and if it's the greatest experience of all experiences, so you can live, you can exist. Okay, we know we don't have we don't have this, we know that. The Rambam says in Sefer Mitzvot, at the end of Mitzvot, to say that oh, how many Mitzvot are there? How many Mitzvot are there? We have to keep today. The Rambam says sixty-five. Not so many. There's not so many. I mean, I want to argue about the number, but, but not, it's not compared to the number of mitzvot that exist. It's very few. So how do we, how, how do we overcome? How do we overcome this kind of uh, aberration where it would seem that, that you could argue that God doesn't want us to keep the Torah or keep the mitzvot? So we say, no, we can keep the mitzvot in the Jerosh Mikabel Sachar method, which is, I think, rather amazing, and I don't know a parallel. I don't know a parallel to that, which doesn't mean that there isn't a parallel, it's just that I don't, I don't happen to know what I think it's, and that somehow, somehow the Jewish people got through it. You know, they got through the Chorban Beit HaMikdash, and they got through the idea that, uh, that, that it's over, that, it, that it's all over, because uh, the Beit HaMikdash was so important. Bedouin, that's so important. So, so again, we go back to our parashiyot, parashiyot of Korbanot, and parashiyot of Tumah and the parashiyot of, of Mitzorah, and, and you, say, you say, I mean, it's not relevant to anything. I remember, I think in, uh, in the Hertz Chumash, you know the Hertz Chumash? Mm-hmm. used to be such a thing, which had articles in it, uh, some written by Rabbi Hertz and some written later on by Rabbi Jacobowitz. 
it, it was like the English version of Arts Grove, but it was not colorful. English. And, uh, and, and so there's an article there by either Rabbi Hertz or Rabbi Jacobowitz about Karbanot. You know, it was very defensive. Very defensive kind of... Who was Rabbi Hertz exactly? Uh, he was the chief rabbi of the British Commonwealth. Okay. Within reasonable amount of time, so that it's not ancient history. Okay. I've never heard of it. But it preceded our time. Okay. This is betuzach nitbarimi. You know, you don't have to show off that you don't know something. <laughs> it's okay. Wait, life, life without the Beit HaMikdash isn't the same. It shouldn't be the same quality as if you would have it. We can survive. I didn't say it's the same. I didn't say it's the same. I'm just saying that somehow we develop this idea that if I learn about the Beit HaMikdash, if I learn about the Torah, I am in some way, manner, or form doing what the Torah wants me to do. I'm not saying it's the same. I mean, you still want to have, we still want to have a Beit HaMikdash, but we're not back down to zero. We're not back down to a place where you say, look, all we are are two-thirds of, of Torah. Or, or, you know, we, don't, we, we say something else. We say you can learn the Torah, and it's, it is interesting. It is interesting that uh, they, they, there are differences. There are differences, like in the Bavli, there's uh, Sra'im. In Eretz Yisrael, they still did mitzvot that were connected to Eretz Yisrael, to the land. But in Bavel, Bavel, they didn't. So there's a difference in the Bavli and the Yerushalmi. But, but forget about that. Let's go back to our... Uh, our uh, discussion, which is about the book of Ayikra. It's about the book of Ayikra. The book of Ayikra is very heavily laden with rabbinic interpretation, with, with, with you know, uh, implications, implications and diukim and, and fine, fine uh, uh, points. And, and all of that, all of that, I think the Nitzif says it in his introduction to the book of, of Vayikra, in spite of the fact that most of these halachot don't apply to us. Right? We don't do them. We don't act. We don't, we don't do all the halachot. We do any of the halachot that are connected to Korbanot or the Beit HaMikdash or um, outside of Eretz Yisrael, the Trumot and Masrod. What we do is only Midrabonah. But but we don't we don't maintain the Doraita situation of all of these mitzvot. Nevertheless, you could say that we do do it. That if you get into it, that if you learn, if you learn the halachot, if you learn the halachot of, of Eretz Yisrael, or you learn the halachot of, of Tumah V'tahara, you learn the halachot of, of, uh, of uh, Bayit HaMenugah, right? you learn the halachot of Bayit HaMenugah, so you're in there. Right, somehow you are getting, you're being credited with performing the mitzvah, and I think that's what kept the, our connection to the Torah going. Right, that's what, what kept it all, that somehow, in some way, manner, or form, we're doing the right thing about those mitzvot, the mitzvot that I can't do actively, but I can learn about them. I can try to understand. I could try to understand about that. The, uh, sure, we think it should be like with Pesach. We have to feel mm -hmm. like we're going out. 
another so if you think about the core is it, it was, is it the best way you should feel like you're doing it you know what I'm saying you can read them every morning you read the same thing over and over again but you, you feel like you and Pesach you have to feel like you're really doing it yeah Pesach is the opposite of that you have to have it in front of you you have to show it touch it eat it but you're not going out of Egypt no but you, but you do it you're going the opposite of abstraction instead of just but talking. you're not going out of Egypt I would say uh, Pesach, you're telling a story. And when you tell a story, uh, whatever aids you have in telling the story are, are useful, are positive. And that's what the, they, they became part of the halacha. You have to point at the matzah, you have to pick it up sometimes, you have to hold the wine cup. I mean, it's all part of telling the story. All part of telling the story. You could add, you could add things besides the things that have become part of the canon of the storytelling. You can add uh, other things if you want to that that help you to uh, to tell the story. Here we're talking about something that is um, psychedelic, almost. You know, it's like something that is not where you're convincing yourself that you're doing the mitzvah by learning the mitzvah. Which is like a, a very uh, special kind of idea. I think it's like not. Not something that most people would go for. But we went for it, right? We, the Jews, more or less, over time, we've gone for it in a big way. But uh, in truth, in the yeshivas, traditionally, they started learning Torah with the kids in Vayikra. I think there was, to, there was a different... idea across to them that... Yeah, there was, a, there was a different reason. I'm not sure. I don't know how they could put honey into the chumash. <laughs> how do you get it out? <laughs> But in any event, yeah, you know, that's, that's to do with, because the children are pure. And it was, that's like our deficiency. We look at the children, we say, well, I wish I could think like they think, because everything is very simple to them. You know, very, very, as they assume that, it, that you're telling them the truth. That's like a big thing. It takes a long time till you figure out that there are people who don't always tell the truth. And so that, uh, so a child learns, uh, that's why, that's why when you build the Beit HaMikdash, the halacha is that you have to keep the, the, uh, the Tinoko Chil Beit Rabban, they keep learning. Everybody's on vacation because the Beit HaMikdash is being built, but the Tinoko Chil Beit Rabban keep learning because Hevel Pihem, because it's very hard to, for anybody to duplicate the, the truthfulness of whatever they say. Children believe absolutely. It takes time till you become cynical about whatever it is that you were supposed to believe in. Okay. Um, have a good shot. <laughs>